Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we're very pleased to say we're translating to many different languages all over the world for, and for those listening outside of our country here. The call in number for your question tonight is 619-924-9744. And the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm just going to have a couple of announcements before we welcome our awesome guest tonight. Um, the Experiencers Speak is actually coming just in a couple of weeks, so I hope you got ready for it. Experiencers Speak, August 28th, 29th in Maine. And if you're out there, it's not sold out, so please come. And they're also doing a camp out for those of you for that don't have the regular accommodations. They have like 100 campers out there. It's getting huge. Anyway, the number for more information is 774-766-2558. And some of the world-renowned speakers out there talking about UFO and everything else, and it's amazing. So uh, please check that out. And um, also, my friend Marilyn Salas, she's an awesome and creative wife of Captain Robert Salas, uh, has a wonderful product called Love's Blessing. And all it is, it it's a, it has 26 essential oils, and you just spray it on, and it, it smells to me like light incense. I spray my linens and everything else, and it's a calming, relaxing, and uplifting mist. And if you want to get yours, and she's an awesome healer also, uh, if you want to get your product, it would go to www.lovesblessing.com or you can reach her at ohai, O-J-A-I, healer at gmail.com. And there's also going to be a fundraiser in for the new New Mexico UFO Paranormal Forum. And it's a nonprofit grassroots organization uh, doing fundraisers to help pay for your ufologists and other experts uh, to speak at their monthly meetings in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, the link for that is www.gofundme.com to FA. Anyway, if you want more information, contact me on Facebook. It's a really long address. And everybody uh, to do these things. And uh, let's see here. Um, I want to invite this guest award. Um, he's an amazing guy, uh, a friend, and also uh, an amazing person who has done so much for others. And uh, he has some amazing things going on. Don Baker has helped numerous companies successfully grow industries by expanding their product and base of operations. And currently, Mr. Baker consults for several companies, and they include product development, implementation of market revenues, and he's currently assigned source products and help international business relations. And he actually has a career involved in direct marketing. He's worked with Paramount Pictures, Technicolor, and the Franklin Mint, among many others. And uh, he also worked for the TV show Cops, and he wrote some scripts. And he's also working on a novel. And uh, the thing we're going to discuss tonight is a movie called The Circle that he's also uh, just finished, and they're doing a fundraiser for that. So let's get dear friend on here. Hey, Don, Hi. you're live with the Paranormal Sacred. Hello. Hi, Sar. How are you? I'm doing really good. I just had a little bit of a disadvantage here. I'm op- I 
I actually uh, had my computer in the shop and then my backup Android also in another shop. And so uh, now I'm breaking it down to my two little tiny Androids and I'm actually being able to pull this <laughs> off and uh, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I don't know, well, but I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you have the power. So I want to commend power. you. You have the power you always have had, and, and and you have such a great show. And I just want to thank you for allowing me to participate in it and to talk to you again, of course, and to to share stories. I've been listening to your show for gosh, it seems like almost three years now, and um, yeah. you know you've had some incredible uh, guests and a lot of great information. I know you do it out of the you know the the strength of your your heart and your character and your your um desire to chase the truth like the rest of us and and uh so I want to commend you you know I know you know we we don't get back to you as much as we should but I want to just say thank you for the opportunity oh, gosh thank you so much for saying that and it is it's like a a labor of love let me tell you and uh it's it's really uh been wonderful to be able to be of service like this because that's actually what it is. It's like you're at service and to keep everybody talking about things people would ordinarily talk about. So that's what we do on here. Um, I found out that you have also, uh, besides everything else you do, uh, you also have a degree in journalism. And how did you get into that? Why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, I do indeed have a journalism degree and uh, have always written. Uh, ever since I was a, a child, I just had a desire to put things on paper. And um, it's taken me uh, on some incredible journeys, uh, the, the the gifts that I have. Um, I've worked very hard at it. And, um, you know, with it, I have, uh, you know, I, I went to graduate. I give you the, the 5,000 foot view before I before I tell you about the, um, the the newest project that I'm working on. Um, but my background is, uh, you know, went to school at University of Oregon, graduated there with, as you said, a journalism degree, and, um, you know, spent a um, year, actually I quit college. This is going to be kind of a, a rabbit hole that I'm going down here, but it might be interesting. I quit college for a year, and I hitchhiked around the country. Uh, all over the United States. I left home um, with $5, a jar of peanut butter, and a loaf of bread. And I hitchhiked. This was in the um, early 70s. And I I was 19. I I had gone to college, I think, for a year, and then I quit. I left home, and I um, uh, stayed out. I hitchhiked 15,000 miles, and I was gone for a year. And uh, hitchhiked all over the U.S., met a lot of great people, had a lot of incredible experiences, um, uh, you know, and just had met so many fascinating um, uh, people along the way, people that would stop and pick up, pick me up, you know, people that never picked up hitchhikers before. And I uh, just went from East Coast to West Coast, down South. And, and when I ran out of money, I would stop and work. I worked in a uh, beef jerky factory one time. I planted trees in Oregon, you know, for a few months. I repaired vacuum cleaners in Denver. I did, you know, it was, just, it was whatever I could do as a 19-year-old. But um, those kinds of travels and those kinds of life journeys that I was on sort of opened me up to a lot of you know, seeing things in a different way. And I think, um, you know, when I finally did go back to school and I graduated with my journalism degree, I ended up uh, having a um, many successful opportunities because of my ability to communicate and to write and to to think. I, I sort of met so many different-minded people along my trips that... Um, you know, I always stay open and, and try to explore for the truth, and I think that's what your show does so nicely. And um, uh, so um, some of the things I, I did along the way, I've worked, as you said, for Paramount. Um, I've written for Fox TV. Um, 
And, you know, I uh, work for the Cops TV show. I produced over 500 television commercials along the way um, and sold a lot of product on TV. You know, I, I made a lot of infomercials, a lot of uh, campaigns like Jerry Springer, Too Hot for TV Video, Xena Warrior Princess, which some of our audience might remember and might actually like or, or you know, have an affinity for. I used to love the show, Xena Warrior Princess. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I made commercials that sold products, sold greatest hits and best of and bloopers and things like that and have just really done a lot of lot of work in those areas, over 500 campaigns. And uh, now I own a, a web marketing company. And uh, we do, um, believe it or not, we do a lot of uh, crowdfunding and and uh, social media and things like that. So that's sort of, uh, you know, some of the things that, that, I've, that I've done in my career with writing. And it's, it's taken me on some incredible journeys. I met some really wonderful people and, and a lot of fun stuff and entertainment in Hollywood and, and other areas. Um, uh, you know, it's just... You know, it's something new every day. I love to create, and um, writing has given me that opportunity. So, now you were, uh, what's, what's the address of your uh, company, your web marketing company? Yes, my web marketing company is called one word Onion Head Direct O N I O N H E A D direct d-i-r-e-c-t dot com so it's www.onionheaddirect.com and that's a company that I set up about four years ago Charlene and I I set it up to um, you know to help uh, clients and some of my own products I I you know I find products and I market them online and I market them through crowdfunding and and I also offer crowdfunding support and crowdfunding meaning um, sites like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, where, you know, if your listening audience isn't familiar with it, that's where you can put a product up or a campaign or a a project. And then um, the, the, the consumers, the, the viewers, the um, visitors to the, to those Kickstarter and Indiegogo sites can, you know, they can contribute, they can get a t-shirt or, a hat or something that can help uh, the campaign or the product come to life. And that's a really growing area of marketing. So um, I'm using my team in um, my marketing team to help, uh, you know, drive and, and realize the promise of those, of those campaigns. So. That's awesome. And uh, there's also, it's also, uh, something that we're really interested in because we're gonna we are gonna start to talk about your uh, Kickstarter uh, funding for the circle. But I wanted to go back to the 70s because uh, when you're saying the 1970s, I don't know if people that weren't born like let's say you must have been born in the 50s, right? Somewhere a long time. Anyway. Uh, yeah, who I was born in the 50s. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Me too. Me too. So by the time you were in the seventies, I can imagine what you were wearing, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, bell, uh, I probably still have was, them. Bell bottoms. That's and, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see you in your bell bottoms and uh, your Levi jacket and everything. But uh, what <laughs> you must have had some extraordinary because I was I was born in the fifties too. So. I know what was going on in the 70s. And back then, you could hitchhike across the country. I have not seen a hitchhiker in possibly five years. I mean, really, I haven't seen any hitchhiker anywhere. But back then, that's the way we got around. We hitchhiked everywhere we went, literally, because a lot of us didn't have cars. Or if you had a car, it broke down often. So we're always out there (laughs) hitchhiking. And I used to hitchhike to art school, so I was doing the same thing. And uh, anyway, so do you have any standout experiences that happened to you along the way? Hitchhiking, you mean? Oh, my. Um, What you want to tell us? There were so many. Well, this is uh, edited for (laughs) radio, of course. Um, There's nobody listening. Well, (laughs) that's right. Um, 
Well, you know, again, 15,000 miles I hitchhiked, so I you can imagine how many rides there were. I mean, there were some really incredible people that I met. For instance, one, um, you know, one time I was hitchhiking through Chicago, and I had, um, you know, I, I literally had no money. I mean, I was I was always, you know, right on the edge of of being broke or, you know, looking for my next meal. And, um, I was going through Chicago, I remember. And I, I met a young, uh, guy along, you know, cause you all along the side of the road, you, you know, you stop at an entry into the freeway and what happens there is there might be other people waiting too. Like you said, there were everybody hitchhiked back then. So I started talking to this young guy, probably, couple years older than me you know maybe I was 19 or 20 and maybe he was in his early 20s but we started talking we you know hitch- we were going the same direction so we we started hitchhiking together and we I think we hitchhiked maybe uh, three or four hundred miles you know maybe that day somebody would take us 50 miles and drop us off and the next guy would take us a hundred miles and and all that so but what was interesting about this guy was that he was a um an out-of-work actor, and um, he had, when I met him in Chicago, he had no shoes. Now, I don't know where he says he woke up and he forgot that somebody had stolen the shoes or something, but I had an extra pair of shoes, so I gave him my shoes, and he bought me a couple hamburgers, you know, along the way, and uh, mm-hmm. so I traded my, my shoes for a, a, a McDonald's meal or whatever it was at that time. And, um, you know, so people like that, or there's another um, family that picked me up. They were, uh, I was hitchhiking and I was, imagine this, I was stopped along, I was sitting beside the freeway, I think it was like Interstate 70 or 80, one of those that go through the Midwest. And somewhere in the Midwest around Kansas, and I um, see this uh, Cadillac, this big Cadillac, zoom by, and then throw on the brakes maybe 100 yards down the freeway, you know, really uh, stop, and then start backing up. I said, whoa, what's going on there? Start backing up on the freeway. So the car backs all the way back up to me. The door swings open, and this you know, blue-haired lady in, in the front looks out and goes, hey, do you, where are you going? You know, it's a, it was an older couple. I mean, they were probably in their late 50s, early 60s. They said, we wanted to stop and pick you up because uh, it's the first time we've ever picked up a hitchhiker, but we want to stop and pick you up because we, our son hitchhiked and just got a ride from somebody, and so we wanted to return the favor. So what a sweet thing to do. Yeah. And this couple this couple took me uh for five or six hundred miles. I mean they kept me all day. They took me to the they kept saying, Well, you can't go through Kansas, you have to stop at the Eisenhower Museum. I is it Kansas or Nebraska? I honestly I can't remember which state it was, but I said you have to see the Eisenhower Museum. So of course, we had to get off the road and, you know, off the freeway and drive to the museum and go through it. And they took me to a cow motel, which is a holding pen for, you know, cattle that is being transferred to the uh, slaughterhouses. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, that part's kind of brutal. But um, they're such a sweet couple. And, and people like that, I met so many wonderful people. Now, I did meet some uh, you know, really bizarre and dangerous characters too. There were a couple of them, but not many. I mean, for the for the amount of time and 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 all the miles that I put on the road, there really was not very many at all. It's really a great experience. Sounds like an adventure. Actually, sounds like it would make a good movie or book or something. Just all that stuff that happened because people don't realize that. Uh, Back in the day, that's that's actually how it was, that uh, people picked up people. Like, I was hitchhiking in my college, actually, and uh, the truckers figured out that I was actually going to El Camino. And uh, so they started picking me up. I mean, they see me, they pick me up at the throw. I had the big art boards and all that. I'd throw it all up on a truck. 
and then climb up there and they would just drive me down. I don't even remember talking to these guys, just saying hi. They say, oh, hi, going to school, yeah. And then they just dropped me off on the corner and that was it. That's how we got around. And uh, only one thing, weird thing happened once is that I got in a car and there was no handles inside the car. Oh. And yeah, it was pretty scary. And the car was like a black limo. It was weird. And uh, I looked at him. I said, where's the handles? You know, I have to get, drop me off at the corner. I said, where's the handles? How am I getting out of here? He says, you're not getting <laughs> out of here. And I said, oh, oh, really? I said, well, my brother's a cop. And I'm telling you, I'm highly suggesting that you get out of here. Let me out of here right now. And he got nervous and he let me out. But I don't have a brother. I just made made it up. But uh, that reminded me of that kind of weird thing that happened. Once in a while, something like that would happen. But, however, but that was our mode of transportation. So I don't know if it's illegal now or what, but is it? Yeah, I, I think, well, I think it was illegal when we did it, too. It's illegal oh, okay. to be on. It was illegal. I did get um, arrested one time. Well, uh, yeah, not arrested. I got I got um got stopped. apprehended. Yes, got stopped. And and the you know, the place was very nice. He just took me back to and he said, You can't be on the freeway, you know, you're not allowed to be on the freeway, you're not allowed to be on the entrance ramp, you can be on the regular feeder road in if you want, but you, you have to go back down. You can't you can't be actually on the the inner state in any way. So um but yeah, I mean uh, it's still you know, and I understand it's obviously dangerous to have people along the side of the uh, interstates and, and stuff like that. But like you said, that was part of the life. That's part of the lifestyle. And yeah. I'm really glad I did it. And then had, uh, look, I wanted to go back um, like 40 years later, you know, whatever the math would be, or 30 years later, and, and you know, do it again. Try to do the same route and see what would happen now. Now that I'm in, wow. you know, an older guy, and uh, I'd have to get new bell bottoms. I think I don't think those ones I have back then would fit me anymore. <laughs> I I don't know if you should do that. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know anybody's doing it. I think in other countries you could do it safely, but I'm not sure now. You know, I I maybe reach do the route with like an RV or something. And then go trace the routes and go. I've always wanted to do that and go talk to everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And go to the the famous haunted house in each town or when uh, oh, yeah. some you know stuff like that. I've always wanted to do that, so I might still do that. You know. So anyway, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I I think that's a that's a great plan too. And America's a big beautiful place. But I look, I do honestly think that most of the United States. Most of the people, I'm sure 99.999% of your listeners and most of the people that you meet out on the road or anywhere are really nice. I mean, they're really normal people are there, you know, that really don't have any malice in their heart or in their mind. So I, I kind of think that that whole um, scary element with, you know, the kind of news reports that we say and I'm I'm you know like maybe on Fox News or I'm not I'm just picking on Fox for a moment right. but it could be any could be CNN could be anywhere um you know those kind of things I think they're kind of sensationalized and I don't think there is as much um danger as as now of course there's danger I mean you know you can't you we lock our doors for a reason but um I think it's a little overstated sometimes, and I think most people are really nice. And I, I bet you that um, if you went back out, you'd have a, some really good experiences. So yeah, that's kind of my yeah. philosophy. I think that uh, that's true. I would be nervous now, but I think that uh, that's how you meet people. The most fun I've ever had is when I ended up at a concert by myself or going to some place I didn't want to go to, but it was by myself, and I decided I want to miss out, and I had the most fun when I was just out there doing it, you know, then you're open to meeting new people and having, you know, all kinds of experiences you would have missed if you just stuck with like, let's say a friend, you know what I mean? At different coffee shops talking this way, you have to go talk to everybody, you know, keep an open yeah. mind and go out there and talk. So I, I just uh, think that it's a, it's an awesome and a, um, that um, it's a good way to learn about yourself and others. So I, I really want to do that. I just don't know how much I can take. 
you know, and how much my car can drag. So that's what I was thinking. I got one of those little tiny, I was thinking about glamour kind of RV, you know, one of those little vintage, uh, little, sure. whatever they are. That's what I was thinking. And then that take my show on the road someday. Fun. Wow. That would be what a fun, great I idea. Think. Now, now that right, is what you should do. Yeah. I'm, I, I actually, love- that's what I'm going to do. And I want to go all over the United States because I have gone to like the lower half of the United States, but I've never been to the, the upper part that, uh, I'd like to go to every state, actually. But anyway, that's one of my dreams, and uh, it's really great to talk to somebody that actually did it because it was like in my mind. I said, "I, I bet you, I could, he has a picture of himself out there. What do you look like <laughs> there?" <laughs> and the Pendleton oh, shirts and the the whole thing and the and the long cool. hair. Look, and I, the I, mullet. Yeah, right, everybody <laughs> in our generation, I had. I grew my hair for nine years and never cut it. I know. I mean, now, just, you know, you have a lot of hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I didn't have more back then, but, you know, it's just, it was part of the era. I mean, now I have a nice, you know, business cut, but you're right. I still have head on my head on my hair or hair on my head either way. You yeah. still um, have a good head of hair. I've still got some it's, hair. So it's fun. So people that haven't lived through that era, that are listening, it was a blast. I have just have to tell you, because we were the unusual ones. I think, you know, my uncle, Louie, did it during the Depression. He went over all of the United States hitchhiking. And he had some weird wow. experiences. He had a man in black experience out there. Really? Yes. And uh, it's weird because uh, my uh, uncle Louie was going through Louisiana and he said, all of a sudden, he everything turned pitch black. He said it was so black, he thought he was going to fall off the earth. So he uh, sat down on the ground. And uh, he said it was so disorientating, you know, up from down. So he just clung to the, his, the suitcases were on the ground. So he realized, okay, that's the ground. But he said when he touched the ground, it felt weird. And then in the a distance, he saw lights. And he said he knew it was the car coming to pick him up. And out of the blackness, this, this car did come pick him up, and uh, the driver never looked at him and opened the door, you know, from his side, opened the passenger's door, let my uncle in, and from my uncle had blacked out till he came to in a a coffee shop drinking a cup of coffee and talking to some guy, and it wasn't that wow. guy who picked him up. And my story is. Okay, this is before I was born, because this is when he was uh, traveling to do the Depression, a young man, probably, you know, 1920. And then uh, I was around 11. I was upstate New York. The same thing happened to me. But when it happened to me, I laid down flat on the ground, and I was feeling the ground. It did feel kind of like oily pebbles or something. It felt weird. I was so petrified with fear that I felt like I was on a spinning earth, really. And then uh, I thought, you better go home. So even if it was, even though it was so black, I didn't know it from down. I just got up and started running. I had to have faith in gravity. You know what I mean? And that's how I got out of that. But I don't remember even. I remember getting up and running, but I don't remember, you know, going home or, or whatever. But I think it's odd that me and him had two of the similar experiences. His father came to him when he died. He, his father passed and he could not stop crying. And his father came to him in a dream and told him to stop crying that he was okay. My dad, three years after he died, I was still mourning. He came to me in a dream and did the same thing. And what's so weird is his father also came to me in a dream. And he showed me as a baby that he knew I was born. He was rocking me when I was a baby. It very strange. But I had known it until I was interviewing my Uncle Louie. I was actually playing it back. He just passed away. I was playing a sort of memorial for my family a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I heard him say it again. And I was like, you know, sometimes you don't catch something. And this time I caught it. So it was like a, this interweaving mystery of life after death in my family that I didn't know of because they don't really talk about this stuff like I do. You know, I'm kind of the carrier wow. of the memories and I'm, and I'm talking about everything, but that means my grandfather actually came to my uncle and to me, and my father came to me, too, and the same for the same reason, you know, to help somebody with grief. But anyway, he did the hitchhiking thing too, and and he was like a pool shark and all that. 
So he was trying to, he was scamming people out of their money. And uh, he said one lady caught him one time and he said he just felt like a heel, you know, because he actually was scamming some sandwich and he wasn't hungry. And uh, the lady was watching and she picked up on that he actually was not really hungry and he wanted the sandwich anyway. And he just, it was the pressure. Remember, nobody had nothing. You know what I mean? He said he just, anyway, that's one of the things. So anyway, so let's go back to um, what we're talking about. So tonight, uh, we're actually going to be talking about the Day at Loft incident. And this is about uh, nine uh, experienced Russian uh, skiers that were all college students actually had a very bizarre uh, and strange death in the Euro Mountains in Russia. And uh, why don't you tell us a story about it? I know it happened in 1959. Why don't you give us the background for this? Yes, I'm happy to. And it, I, it's a perfect segue. We're talking about, you know, the things that we did as young people and, and the, experiences, the experiences that we had as college students. And, um, you know, these students that, that we're talking about here, the Dyatlov Pass incident students, um, they were nine young uh, kids, just like what we were talking about. And they were just going on a little ski trip uh, up through the Ural Mountains and of Russia. This was in February of 1959, and they expected the journey. You know, they were hiking. They were very experienced. They had uh, done many trips before, and there were nine of them. You know, nine. Gosh, it's almost a small town. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of people to... You know, you feel like, hey, nine of us, we're, we're going to be safe. What could possibly happen to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they went, actually, it started out, there were 10. And um, one of them, I think, came in with a viral infection. I think it was strep throat or something. And they on the like the second or third day of the trip, he had to uh, circle back and go back down uh, to the village below because he just wasn't feeling up to it and he couldn't take the the temperatures. Now setting the the um the image for the Ural Mountains in February is you know it's pretty darn cold. It's uh you know at night it's 15 20 degrees below zero. I mean it's quite quite cold. It can snow a lot. Uh you know it's a it's a very um uh rocky Area parts of it is rocky, are rocky, and they, and there are trees, uh, some uh, scattered forest trees around. But the kids, you know, knew their way around, and they they thought that this trip would take about a week, and you know, maybe a little bit less, depending on what kind of how much fun they had along the way. And they would get to the other side, and then they were going to send a telegram to. Uh, their folks to, you know, as folks always worry about their kids, uh, just to let them know that they arrived. Well, two weeks after the the, the group started up the mountain, uh, you know, there was no word of them. And the parents started getting really worried. And they said, oh, my, you know, what this, this should take a week. Maybe it's going to take six or six or seven or eight days, but it shouldn't take 14 days. And why aren't, why aren't I hearing from my kids? So they alerted the Russian military and uh, the local authority there, and eventually they they you know rattled enough cages that the, that the Russian authority put on a full uh, search mission for them, including the use of a helicopter, which was a little bit um, unusual back in in, the, in that day. But it was in February of to uh, 1990, uh, 1959. 59, yeah. Now, when the, um, and unfortunately, the students, as you you noted, when they were found, they were all dead. And this was very shocking because this area was, um, you know, somewhat um, remote. And the, the the way that the students died was just, you know, it's kind of horrific. They were all uh, traumatized with um, with blunt trauma, like they'd been hit by cars or hit by trains or hit by a UFO or, you know, or whatever. They had crushed skulls. They had broken ribs. 
many of them, several of them were without clothing. Now, if you can imagine being, you know, 20 degrees below zero and going outside into the snow, into the night in your, um, you know, socks and underwear. I mean, why in the world would you do that? Now, something bizarre has to have happened to them. And the um, authorities discovered that what what had transpired on the night of February 2nd, 1959, was that the kids, you know, they ate dinner, they went to bed, you know, a normal kind of thing. All these guys kept diaries back then. This was before Facebook and before Instagram and before, mm-hmm. you know, that's how, before all that stuff. Yeah, so now, cool. so everybody kept a diary. So it's pretty the routine trip. I mean, everything was going according to plan. But then sometime during the night of February 2nd, after they ate dinner and they went to bed in this big tent that they carried with them, they ended up cutting themselves out of their tent in the middle of the night and running out into the the bitter cold without clothing many times, certainly without any kind of preparation. And um, they all ended up dying out. They cut themselves out in the inside of the tent using a knife. Now, why would you cut yourself out of the inside of a tent? Why not go out the you know the the flaps. The if you remember the old tents and those days, now it's Velcro and yeah. everything's nylon and stuff. But back then it was canvas and it was heavy, and there were flaps and you tied them. You tie that's how you tied the the tent. So you'd have to untie it to get out or tie it to close it up. So but they were in such a rush, such a panic to get out of that tent that they literally cut themselves. I mean it sounds chills up and down my spine to think that they had to cut themselves out of that tent and run out into the night. And and there and what, is where they died. And that, and it's so strange because everything they had, warm clothes, everything, was neatly inside, still packed. Uh, they had film in their cameras. They had everything, but they left, like, naked. And they ran out there. And that, uh, what about that one poor woman, Lindeville Dubanyan? Dubanyan? Yeah. I don't know, can't pronounce her name. But uh, then what happened to her sounds a lot like the cattle mutilations. Tell them what happened to her. Uh, yeah, she was, um, you know, there were uh, two, uh, a couple females, and mostly it was male, uh, the guys, it was mostly guys on the on the adventure. But one of the poor girls had her um, tongue cut out. Now, the tongue was cut out while she was alive, which is a horrific thing to think about. But she, it was cut out because they knew she was alive because in her, when they did the autopsy, when they finally did find the bodies, they did autopsies, of course, on them, and the, uh, her, she had blood in her stomach. So that means she, you know, unfortunately, she had her tongue cut out and then she swallowed some of the blood. And, um, you know, so it happened while she was alive. So, you know, it's just, it's it's un, unbelievable. And the only thing the Russian authorities, this is what is the confusing part about this story. The Russian authorities did a, an investigation, of course, and they tested uh, you know, the autopsies and all they ever came up with was that the students died, nine students now, not not one or two of them, but a group, a city, a small town of young college students died uh, uh, with from blunt trauma. They all died of broken ribs and, and crushed skulls and things like that. And they, the authorities just said, it was from unknown compelling force. So they never really answered any questions about the the story. And in fact, they closed down the mountain, which was known, by the way, as the mountain of the dead, mountain of death. And they closed the mountain down for two years. And not not even the uh, families of the students could go up on the mountain to, you know, because, of course, hey, if, you know, one of my family died there, I'd 
make a beeline up there and try to yes. figure it out Trying myself. Trying to figure it out, well, yes. Not only the you know the families couldn't go up there for two years, so it led to a lot of speculation and a lot of confusion, and that's why we decided to make this movie, as you mentioned in your your opening, The Circle, which is a paranormal thriller. It's based upon research that we've been doing and some documentation that we acquired uh, from some inside sources, and I don't want to say too much about them, but um, there was a lot of documents that went missing after the the uh, re- the um, um, investigation, and um, a lot of it was not released to the public. Obviously, this is Russia. You know, Russia's somewhat totalitarian, and back then, of course, it was in the middle of the Cold War, so 1959, mm-hmm. that was just a couple years before the Cuban Missile Crisis and the, you know, Khrushchev and the pounding of the shoe and all that stuff. So um, it's not the most open society, and maybe it's it's like that again now. Um, but we have some documentation, and we have also done a tremendous amount of research. This story was brought to us by a good friend who is a um, born in Russia, and, and uh, his family uh, lived in Russia and was in the, the political uh, arena there and in the... Um, um, uh, diplomatic corps <clears throat> there yeah. for a while, so uh, he has some really insightful information for us, and he brought us the story. And once we started looking into it, you know, I was amazed. I mean, I I could I look. I'm a comedy writer. I mean, I you know I write. Uh, I wrote for Fox TV. I've written for In Living Color. I've done mm-hmm. you know I've done. Yeah stuff my whole life but uh, you know that's comedy so when somebody brought me this kind of a story I'm like "Mm, well okay not really what I do but let me let me look into it and the more I looked into it oh my gosh the the more I was flabbergasted and realized that this story had to be told so that's why you know we are making the circle and we are as you said we are we are uh, launching it um, we just launched about a week ago on the site Kickstarter, and we are trying to, you know, build the budget and and get contributions um, so that we can make this film uh, as, you know, as big, and and we want to have a lot of great special effects, of course, because it it is going to be a paranormal thriller. And um, so uh, the audience here can, uh, you know, hopefully they'll check it out on kickstarter.com. K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R, Kickstarter, one word, dot com, and then just search The Circle. And uh, we launched about a week ago. We've, we've got 27 days or 26 days or something left to go. We've got a goal there that we're trying to reach, and we really would appreciate anybody coming on board and checking us out. And there's all kinds of great um, awards there. You can get a T-shirt. You can get a hat. You could get a signed script. You could eat dinner with the director, or, or heck, you could even be in the movie if you wanted to. So it's, it's awesome, uh, and you know, you have a little video that goes along with it. I was finally able to uh, see it, and it's a beautiful graphics, and also very well done. And uh, you know, I highly advise people to go over there. I actually posted it on uh, my Facebook page, so. Uh, for anybody that's on Facebook and go there and the link's on over there or you can do, well, like you said, go to the circle and then look look at the the video he has posted on there that goes with the uh, the Kickstarter fundraiser and because it, it's really great. I, I love it. It's, it's very well done. And I love the, the logo of the movie at uh, Circle. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? We, we uh, designed that. I love it. With with our marketing, you know, our marketing team, and and we did that video and the trailer, and of course we're going to start shooting in. Uh, well, waiting for snow, of course. So uh, hopefully we'll get some this year, and we'll start shooting sometime in January, February, uh, and then get into the um, you know the 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 core of it. And and yeah, it's it's a great project. It's a labor of love. We you know obviously we. Um, 
we would like the truth to get out. We want to honor the, the nine students, the families. I mean, can, can you imagine these poor families have never heard There hasn't an been an answer. Still the mystery to this day. They still don't have an answer. I think forensics would have helped, you know, now with the forensics, but I'm not sure if they would uh, be able to exhume the bodies or where the bodies are or what happened, because I'm wondering how those cuts were made. And because some people are saying aliens, some people are saying Sasquatch or one of those people went nuts or, or something, you know, but then they're all dead. Yeah. So it wasn't one of them. So that, that clears that up right away. Cause I think for, yeah. for a minute they were blaming the students, but they're all dead. So, you know, they're the victims. Yeah, exactly. And it was, and, and it's such a, you know, uh, such an odd way to die. It's not as, look, I could see if they were all shot, then you say, okay, well, some madman with a gun, you know, like in our movie theaters or whatever, you know, those terrible things that have been happening in the U.S. recently, some some crazy lunatic is out there, you know, shooting them. But, hey, they weren't shot. They weren't stabbed. They weren't um, strangled. You know, they weren't, they weren't poisoned. They were, they were, they were squished. They were beaten were and squished. Beaten to death. Yeah. I mean, they were, yeah. they were crushed. I mean, it's just, huh, why, how in the world could nine people get, you know, be crushed? I mean, these are young, athletic, experienced skiers, college students, you know, nine of them. I mean, it's not, there wasn't just one, like I said. So, so you're right. There all are all kinds of theories, um, including the ones you noted, the UFO, like maybe some people think that they, the kids stumbled on a, a, um, alien, uh, operation of some kind. Um, in fact, there were, uh, there was another group of students or, uh, hikers. I don't know if they're students actually, but hikers about 50 miles away that during the same time said they saw, uh, glowing lights in the horizon that were, you know, very steady and, and that could be, um, also mm-hmm. Russian military testing. Uh, this was the time of nuclear testing, you know, when people would test anything at any time and, and right after World War Two. In fact the US was doing it too. So it could be US or it could be Russian. Um, Caster. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah. That's right. So you know, stuff has gone on all over the world and I'm sure it still does today. Hopefully not as much, but probably it still does. <clears throat> Pardon. And um then uh, another theory was the Mansi, the local tribe there uh, that's indigenous to the mountains. But, you know, that's really been discounted because, A, when the search party came to look for the students, the Mansi joined in, and the Mansi has been relatively peaceful. And, um, you know, if the Mansi wanted to kill you, they probably wouldn't, you know, beat you to death. They'd probably stab you or shoot you. <clears throat> so we do have our uh, yeah go ahead uh don't they appear to be uh have asian characteristics so that's that the tribe we're talking about yeah exactly yes the, the man exa- yes yeah um yeah interesting because uh you know they live up where it's so strange and they didn't do it either I I don't no, know. Didn't. What is your feel? What is your feeling? Well, uh, I noticed the video uh, was uh, very. Uh, I got the chills when it mentioned the gin, and uh, yes. also that they listened to your conversations. I got kind of shocked when I was listening to it because, you know, a lot of us. Um, I have uh, actually a man that's uh, still in the military, and I've we've interviewed him a couple of times. So. Uh, we've, we've been friends and everything else. He said he's heard military in the middle of his living room having a conversation about him. And hmm. I, we're just talking and we're going, okay, uh, what does that mean? He says, I'm not the only one who heard it. I said, who else heard it? He says, mother-in-law came to babysit and she heard them talking too. So there's some kind of a, a surveillance they had on him because he had all these 
uh, alien abduction experiences. And people are being watched that have had all these experiences. They know there are, they are. But um, his somehow, the surveillance was also being, uh, how do you say it, uh, somehow transmitted to the house. I don't know if it was a mix-up or what. But they were hearing, you know, not only were they listening to him, he was listening to them, and so was his mother-in-law. Weird. Wow. I know. Well, you're you're right. The gin is, uh, you know, I mean, we all kind of, the gin is, is for those, I'm sure our listeners probably are familiar, but for those who might not be, the gin are um, usually thought of as fallen angels. They're kind of like a genie, if you will, uh, the um, Eastern version of the, the Western genie in the bottle. And they're born in smoke and they're born in, um, uh, you know, fire. They come from fire and they're fallen angels. So they are very mischievous and um, they listen to our conversations. And they're said to, there's an old wives' tale, I guess, but, you know, who knows what's true and what isn't, but they're said to stand on each other's shoulders so they can listen to the conversations of God. So they can eavesdrop, and um, so we feel, and this is our our theory here, based upon our research and based upon our documentation, we feel that there are portals in that part of the world. I think there are actually portals in many parts of the world, and they're similar to crop circles, and that's where we get the concept, the circle. Now, are these, and we we believe that the jinn enter our universe through these circles. Now, could the jinn be ancient aliens or UFO or um, unidentified something or others, you know, that are coming from another world? Absolutely. Um, Maybe that's what the jinn is. Um, And we've given it kind of a quasi-religious slant, you know, because we like to put things sometimes in, in religious perspective, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It might be right. But um, it also could be that it's uh, these circles, these crop circles, these these portals that are all over the world um, that the kids stumbled on on something up there, you know. And unfortunately for them, it was something you know they were in the wrong place at the at the wrong time, and um, some terrible things happened to them. But um, you know. We are exploring it, and that's why we're making the film, The Circle. And uh, I, I do hope that your listening audience will check it out and not only contribute, we really would appreciate that because that will help us get the film made, um, uh, but also um, they can share the project on their social media. And um, as you were so gracious enough to do, post the video or share the link and just get the word out because. Look, these nine students have families, and we need to honor those students, and that's what we're trying to do with this film. And if I could ever meet all of those nine families and, and you know, shake their hands and just, you know, give them a hug and, and say, hey, you know, we're trying to figure this out too, you know, that would be the ultimate. And I hope this film will get made and it will do that for these families. Yes, because it would be awesome to, you know, have um, have the families come in on this, even if it's at the end, and uh, do an interview with them, so you guys can ask, you know, what's happened since, and because uh, you know they had all these dreams, they were uh, successful students, and at the top of their game, and to be taken like that and in such a brutal way, it is just a, a tragedy and a still unsolved mystery. Yes. You're you're right, 100%. And one of the great unsolved mysteries, you know, most things get solved. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess we we're still wondering about the Kennedy assassination, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, I don't know if that one if that one will ever get solved. But I hope it does. But um, this is another another one of those from kind of the same era. That um, I mean, this one doesn't even have a, a a culprit. I mean, in the Kennedy assassination, at least we arrested somebody, whether they were the right person or not, is is up for debate. But, Mm -hmm. you know, with this one, we don't even have a suspect. We don't even have a, 
a, a, a short list. I mean, we, yeah. you know, through history, we do not have, I mean, how can nine people get killed and not, for there not even to be a, a footprint leading away from the, the scene? I mean, you know, and it was bizarre? touching, it's touching because the diary is also the photos that were found. It was just them getting ready, how attractive they all were, and they're just the friends, and, uh, you know, it's just, it was just, um, you know, if it was to happen now, you know, this would, you know, devastate the country. These things are happening now, but uh, this is a, a really important thing to talk about. Um, I do, I love the uh, what you're doing and to help these people, and uh, I think it's just awesome, really. Well, thank you, and I I do believe uh, probably a lot of your listeners have heard parts of this story because it is one of the great unsolved mysteries. If you if you Google the the Love Pass incident, you'll say, "Gosh, there's I don't know, you know, five hundred thousand entries in Google or something." I mean, it's an unbelievable number of entries. So there's been a lot of speculation over mm-hmm. the years and um but really no answers and and we've what we've done is i mean we're not making a, a documentary because there's in fact there was a documentary made um i think on the history channel a few years ago that was very good i mean it's a very good piece but you know we look i come out of entertainment i come out of hollywood so we're making mm-hmm. an entertaining film i mean we want it to be right. entertaining we don't want it to be gloomy and ultra depressing we want to try to answer the question and entertain people and in our story nine students go back from current day go back uh to the same they get invited back to the same area uh, the in the ural mountains the mountain of death and they think that they're just they want a ski trip and um what happens to them is they start following the same path as the other nine students unwittingly, and they st- the same oh, kinds wow. of things happen to them. So um, through that process, we explain the mystery, the original mystery, because these nine kids who are up there this time are, they're Americans, and they're, um, you know, they're going to solve this thing, and, and we have a lot of fun with it. We also... You know, it's a serious topic. We don't. We're not making fun of of the deaths or anything, but we are, we are, um, you know, trying to entertain people at the same time. So I think we've of done course. a really good job with the script. We've got a great director attached, Nick Gaitajis. Um, he's a he's a um, Greek-born director who has a tremendous amount of passion for mm-hmm. uh, this project, and he's done some incredible films. This last film was just a. a Head Turner. It was called Without Borders, and um, you know it's just it's an award-winning film, and um, I do encourage any of our listeners to to look it up, Without Borders by Nick Gattajis, and uh, it's really a terrific, terrific film. And uh, so we've got a really great um, uh, crew, and we're attaching actors right now. We're attaching the cast, and um, to play the kids, and um, we're getting ready to shoot come uh, early in the right after the holidays and when everybody gets back to work in Hollywood. Where are you guys gonna Where are you guys gonna film at? Well, that's a should great I, question. I, it de- depends on the snow, of course. Yeah, most of it is is outside, so we're gonna have to find some snow. So we could go up to the you know Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear area, this conceivable, oh, yeah. or Lake Tahoe. If we have snow this year, some, you know, California, you never know. Some years we do and some years we don't. If we don't, then we'll probably uh, film either in Washington or in uh, parts of Utah. So okay. um, that's, we're, we're scouting different locations right now and we're just kind of, you know, going to wait and see what Mother Nature does uh, for us. Well, that's cool. Now you're also, are you still working on a novel? I am. I am from the era of the Beatles. You know, I'm an, uh, a Beatle fan, a big Beatle fan, and oh, my yeah. novel uh, is called 
it's a mystery. It's a, but it's a comedic mystery because I I love comedy, and it's uh, mm-hmm. called Hey Jude, and um, uh, it's going to be out uh, in the spring. The editor I'm working with is uh, you know has been doing some touch ups on it, but um, yeah, if anybody wants any uh, if any Beatle fans out there, it's a mystery based on you know like all the uh, titles the chapter titles are Beatles songs like she came in through the bathroom window or oh, so cool. uh, you know don't tell us anymore loving. because you're going to be letting out all the secrets oh uh, that's <laughs> true i don't want to tell i won't say don't tell you tell who did us it, anymore it's too genius already i won't Good. i won't but um Just let us know if anybody's we can interested get yeah you can't get it yet but you can contact me on my email and drop me a, an email uh, and just let me know and I'll let you know when it's out. Okay, what's your email? It's uh, easiest one's probably Don D O N at American A M E R I C A N and then D R T V. That's Don at American with an N D R tv.com oh good and then uh also your company that you work for is www.ironheaddirect.com so that's also interesting if people are interested in the marketing and things like that because you're a very dynamic uh marketer too so it's a this has uh, been amazing you know little while uh it's just uh, was wonderful talking to you and, and so you're you have all kinds of interesting stuff in the works and uh keep me in the loop and you know i really uh treasure our friendship and i really appreciate how you call me out of the blue once in a while just when i think well you know i'm stuck out here sick <laughs> by myself <laughs> then you call me. i go oh yeah i've got something going i forgot <laughs> Yeah, you've got uh, you know a great willpower and a great creativity. So please Thank keep you. at it. You know your audience loves you, and I've been listening to you for so long. And uh, uh, thank you can't so much. Thank Tom. you enough for you know everything that you've done because yeah. look, you are giving your time and your energy and your love. So bless your heart. Well, you're well. You're very welcome. I want to thank you. It's been, it's been a real honor to have you on. And of course, you're welcome back anytime, anytime. And uh, be sure to get hold of Don. You can get a hold of him at Don at AmericanDRTV.com and uh, reach him for further help. And uh, I, I think he's available to talk uh, and share if you have a show that you want him on. And uh, also, you can go for uh, the kick. Tell him about the Kickstarter. Go to Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Kickstarter.com is our project. And it's Kickstarter, uh, just like it sounds, K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com, Kickstarter.com. And then there's a little search box there. Put The Circle, The Circle, and uh, take a look at our project. Watch our video. Uh, you'll see our trailer. You'll find out more about the film. You'll... Uh, you know, you see the bios there, you'll see my bio, and, and uh, you know, we look forward to um, having everyone give our, give comments and, and participate. There's a lot of cool, really cool stuff on that site, and, um, you know, come be part of Hollywood. You know, be part of the, yeah. the film and, and get involved in it. It's, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to get yeah, started. Yeah, because it's exciting, and all the artwork on the shirts and the hats, I love it. I really... Uh, think that whoever did it did a gorgeous job. It's just beautiful and rich in color, and you're going to like it. So get over there and get your shirt, donate for a hat, whatever you got to do, just go do it because it's a worthy cause, and it's exciting because a lot of our local people will be involved, and hopefully they'll film it locally too. If we get enough snow, snow but that's you know that's a God thing, or Mother Nature. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> hope it, it, so, it comes. We're waiting. <laughs> okay, but it's been lovely having you on, Don. You're the best, and Thank I hope you. to see you soon. And take care. Thank you, sorry. You keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay. God bless and take care. Right. Okay, bye bye. So uh, it's just uh, there's so much going on, so much creativity and uh, awesome projects and everything else. It's just been uh, such an honor to have Don Baker on, and uh, he's an amazing person as. Uh, uh, we're talking a wealth of resource of uh, 
of creativity, helpfulness, of anything, because he can really help you. If you have a project and you want to talk this with him, over with him, uh, you can go to his website, check out what they have to offer, www.onionheaddirect.com. And, of course, go to the Kickstarter account and go into the circle, and they have all kinds of things if you do your donations, and the donations are coming in to support this worthy project. Uh, They have awesome T-shirts and hats and stuff that you would love to collect anyway. You can reach Don directly at don at americandrtv.com, and it's been a pleasure and an honor to have Don aboard, and uh, you couldn't have a better person on your side. And I want to thank you, Don, to all listeners. Thank you so much for listening in tonight. Uh, I want I appreciate you. Sorry about the chat uh, thing. It's, it doesn't uh, come across on my Android for some reason. So when, you know I'm on my Android when there's no chat. So sorry about that chat, people, because I do miss you. And everything will be up and running next week when we have another incredible guest. And remember, tonight this show is archived, so you can listen to it again and again and again. And uh, the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your family and friends. And we wish you all the best and may your dreams come true and true love live in your heart and actually enjoy what you have. And uh, I wish everybody all the best and do your creative stuff. Do it everything. If you're a writer, write. Do all the filming. Do everything. This is the time to do it. No time to waste. Okay? Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.